You're listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. On this episode of the EdUp Experience, we welcome Warren Kennard, CEO of ConnectEd Crowdsourced Education and Managing Director of Kahoot Learning. Simply put, Warren is at the forefront of working to upskill and reskill the workforce. He believes that the human touch is that important to engagement in online learning. On this episode, you'll hear Warren talk about engagement, online learning, and the importance of keeping your skills going so that you can make yourself marketable to the next employer. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. This is Joe Salustio. This is Elizabeth Liva. And on the line, we have Warren Kennard. Warren, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really good this morning. Thanks. Thanks for asking, Joe. Well, Warren, you know, I, I, I've been waiting. Uh, Liz and I have been talking about you. We've been uh, waiting to get you on the show. Um, of course, uh, you're, I think, sitting somewhere in the, the amazing country of Australia, so we have a little bit of a time difference. It's, oh, boy, around 2 or 3.30 uh, in the afternoon, depending on when you are here in the United States. And, and I heard you say it's about 6.30 your time. So you should be uh, fresh with a cup of coffee in front of you. Is that, is that the case that you're ready to rock and roll? Uh, absolutely ready to rock and roll. Got the, got the coffee prepared some, some time ago. So thanks, Joe. Well, good. Well, before we get started, um, you know, as we've been doing this podcast, uh, you know, it's important for us to recognize uh, the times that we live in. Uh, we are in the middle of a, a global pandemic, COVID-19. Um, I know in the United States, we're beginning to see massive spikes again, and certain states are putting people back on quarantine. H- how are you? How is your family? And, and how is the country faring so far amidst this pandemic? Yeah, well, thanks so much for asking. Yeah, and uh, it, it's been challenging, Joe. I think it's been challenging for everyone. And um, like many of your guests you've had on, um, you know, we, we've been fortunately uh, quite blessed with with work um, and and not having the the demise of our work. And and certainly that pertains to my wife and and family as well. So we've been very fortunate. Um, the kids have been doing well, and um, it seems like we're we're on a little bit of a, a, a recovery. And then we had a, a small spike here again in in Melbourne. So um, the sentiment in the is quite depressed. Um, you know, people just aren't their normal selves, and it's 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 been a struggle. You know, it's uncertainty, and and uh, that's really a big one. Uncertainty, and you know, mm-hmm. when you look at. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to know than not know. And, and we, none of us know uh, what's yeah. going to happen with this and how it's going to affect our normal lives in the future. Um, but, uh, you know, look, at, Warren, you're under a lot of pressure uh, because, as you know, since you're from Australia and you're probably our only listener in, uh, in the uh, country of Australia, at least we can get <laughs> one more listener by having you on. Um, the great country. So, no, no, pressure. no pressure to you. Yeah. No pressure. Uh, but uh, why don't you just start by telling a little bit about, a little bit about yourself. Uh, you've got a lot going on. Um, you're out there. You're um, leading in the higher ed space. You're, I, I would consider you a thought leader. Um, I follow you in your work, and, and you're making some amazing strides in upskilling uh, workforces. So tell us uh, about you, what you're working on, and, and give our audience a, sort of a once-over. 
Yeah, well, thanks, Joe. Um, and so at the moment, I'm, I'm currently preoccupied with, with two key projects, as it were. And so I'm the founder of ConnectEd, which is a, a crowdsourced education business um, culminating with the launch of our, our first course in EdTech and strategy for higher education. And, and that's happening in a couple of months time. And um, the other hat that I wear, as it were, is a managing director of the CUDE Academy, which you were speaking about um, as far as the workforce capability development. It's an academy offering uh, short online people-mediated learning experiences, uh, and we're covering a gamut of human capabilities, digital skills, and contemporary ways of working. Um, so I've, I've been in higher ed for, and workforce development for, for the better part of 20 years, um, mostly um, serving in a growth capacity. So the things like um, partnerships and business development and, and uh, uh, marketing, um, uh, sorry, and strategy. And, and the last half has been primarily devoted to last mile uh, online learning, which, which is commonly known, known as SPOCs, um, so the small private online courses. Um, so that, that's um, the, the kind of overview for, for now. So, so give, it, give me the global perspective. You know, I think a lot of people who, um, who I'm connected with and Liz is connected with, we're in the U.S. We understand the U.S. higher ed space. We, we understand that uh, you know, value is being challenged. Upskilling is becoming very important amidst our uh, massive unemployment, uh, which, of course, has uh, been uh, accelerated by the virus. What's happening in Australia, and uh, is, uh, is this a global problem that uh, education uh, needs to provide more specific skills for workers? Yeah, look, this, this is very much universal. And um, coming from South Africa originally, um, born and raised in Cape Town and only been in Australia for, for the better part of three years. So um, speaking to, to both of those territories, I mean, the, the skills agenda in, in South Africa is, is fairly advanced. Um, in, in fact, I think that in, in many respects, it's, uh, it, it's accelerated um, beyond many other parts of the world, um, simply because I think there's been a necessity to, to retain your job and to become more relevant um, than the person next to you and, and make sure that you're, um, if there's going to be a downturn in the economy or, or there's going to be conversely opportunities to take advantage of, you, you want to be the one with, with the, the longest um, laundry list of, of kind of skills and, and qualifications as it were. So um, I think it was quite a progressive market in that way. And, and coming over to Australia, um, it was quite interesting for me to see that the, the skills agenda wasn't, wasn't as large. Um, certainly the community was quite small, but um, the formal qualification market was burgeoning and it, it was just um, you know, full of, of providers, many, many universities here and, and many colleges that are offering uh, formal qualifications, but that that um, the mix of, of skills versus formal qualifications was was certainly a, a different mix than I had seen in than based in the U.S. markets and and certainly in South Africa. I'm going to ask, and then we'll segue into Liz's set of questions because she's she's the expert when it comes to online learning uh, uh, between the two of us uh, uh, delivery, if you will. But what's missing? Uh, you know, you, you've been in the space for 20 years. It's, you've been in ed tech. You know, uh, you, you talk about massive numbers of universities, many of which are, are transitioning by force or by choice, depending on who you are, to some form of online learning. Um, what's missing in online learning uh, 
uh, if for, uh, you know, this is really just sort of best, best practices, tips from you. And what's missing that make online learning more, what, what can be added to online learning to make it more engaging, to help with retention, to help with uh, uh, upskilling that makes people start to finish? Yeah, look, and it's a wonderful question. And I, I think there's a very simple answer and then there's a much more complicated answer. So the simple answer is is some degree of engagement. Um, I, I think that's been the, the sorest point, as it were, for, for online learning. Um, and so I have some comments about that. But I think if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll probably just frame the, the situation a little bit as I see it. And, and like many of your, your guests um, that you've had on this podcast and, and certainly in the minds of, of thousands of people, we've, we've got a problem in the sector. And, and um, my principal concern is, is with the bypassing of traditional higher ed for, for these very um, deep technical expertise and specialized vertical training, um, which, which is also the attraction of this short-term employability. Um, so what I'm referring to by that is this, um, the short-term employability being that we're, we're training people for very specific skills and, and I'm worried about what the, the bypassing of the university and college experience is having on, on society more generally. Um, so I'm, I'm referring to this as, as kind of the triple bypass for, for higher ed, as it were, where um, unis and, and colleges globally are, are being bypassed in favor of these nimble and, and novel fringe players and, and also many, many large private providers, of course, and notwithstanding the impact of big business. Um, so one can argue that there's, there's many more facets um, uh, to, to higher education um, where, where we're seeing a little bit of a concern shaping up is around um, the lack of relevancy of content and, and the ability for people to uh, prepare for the future of work. Um, so there's a whole um, slew of things in, in the higher education sector that, that absolutely need reform. Uh, and, and this has been kind of the focus of my attention now uh, from an online mode is, is accessibility. It's the ability to engage um, communities of people and to get them really excited while they're studying and, and to co-create their, their future together is, is what I think has been lacking. Awesome. Thank you, Liz. You want to jump in? Sure, I'm already fangirling here, so you have to forgive me for being so quiet because I'm just listening intently on everything that Warren has to say. And is I the, want is it the to. Accent, Liz? Is it the accent? It's the accent. <laughs> it's the the knowledge. It's the passion for online. It's it's like a, like he said. It's a triple. It's like a, he's a triple threat here. <laughs> so it's a little bit of everything, <laughs> and I'm just feverishly taking notes. My notepad is already full of all these questions and all these little notes that I have to follow up on. So to piggyback on what Joe had to say, um, you talked about the engagement, the, the idea that we need to think about ways to make online learning more relevant. Why don't we circle back around and talk about your origin story? You, you spoke about you um, were originally from Cape Town and you went to um, Melbourne. What made you interested in online learning? How did you get into the ed tech space? I've seen you like Joe and many stalking you, but not so much so because it's, it's legit because I'm on LinkedIn and I'm looking at your articles. But <laughs> um, what made you interested in the online learning space? Why have you gotten into this? Um, you have Kahoot going on. You have ConnectEd. 
what is it that makes you so passionate about the online learning space? And how do you think that's been informed by perhaps, because I, I feel like, and maybe I shouldn't inject my own, you know, personal backstory into it, but I think me being born in the UK, being exposed to um, a little bit more of a global perspective, it probably makes me a little bit more open to different ways of imagining education, because I know that there's so many different ways to do it. It's just not one size fits all in terms of education. Some of that's informed by the fact that I have lived overseas and I know that there's so many different ways that education can be delivered, even in a traditional um, environment. So can you tell us yeah. a little bit more about that and, and why you're so passionate about this? Yeah, I'd love to. I think, um, you know, I, I kind of fell into the higher ed space um, those, those 20 years ago and um, it, it was quite um, fortuitous to land at a, at a college that I had studied at um, and, and started advising students on, on kind of programs. Um, and I saw the power of education in my own life, obviously being able to give you more, many more opportunities in society. And, um, uh, you know, my parents weren't, weren't particularly uh, well qualified. And, and I think we all come from similar backgrounds like that, where, mm -hmm. where we had this strive in ourselves to, to want to excel. And, and education was one of those vehicles to be able to do it. Um, so you saw very uh, highly intellectual people that... Um, you know, seem to have the fancy cars and fancy houses and so on. And, and they, they had obviously, you know, done some hard work um, and notwithstanding their, their intellect, but they, they also went to prominent universities. And, and so, you know, it was always an ambition of mine to, to continue to study. And, and I think the, the realization happened for me where I had, um, it was a private institution in, in South Africa. And I had a, a gentleman come in um, who in, in the South African context, he was a, a gardener. Um, and he was putting his son through through a, a very expensive college and he brought a suitcase of money in um, and and dumped that on the table and and I was a, a young 21 year old um, you know advising this this particular student about his life and and I realized just how um, how much responsibility there was for for higher ed to to provide an opportunity for people to to have a career and to have a life and and this suddenly was very profound for me and and I just fell in love with the whole uh, preoccupation around the the books and the libraries and and the the student life and and everything just resonated with me and I think that um, you know speaking more specifically to the online journey. Um, about 10 years ago or so, um, I, was, I was working as a consultant and, and um, you know, liaising with a myriad of, of kind of providers in, in South Africa and, and across the world. And we landed uh, upon Get Smarter. And uh, Get Smarter was a client of ours for, for a period of time uh, before I worked there full time. And that was my first real foray into the um, small private online courses market. Um, and it was very much in its infancy at that stage. There was only about 50 odd employees at that time. And it's now you know, in the order of 800. So it was a, a monumental growth over a, a short period of time. And um, that experience into the into the online people mediated learning experiences. I, I suddenly realized um, in, in myself how scalable education could be, how we could get um, many more people into uh, education offerings and upskill them and and provide them a much better opportunity for for success longer term. 
Um, and, and speaking to your point about engagement and why I'm so passionate about it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very much uh, in the domain of, of cohort-led experiences. So I, I, I'm almost exclusively playing in, in personalized experiences online that are a start, have start and finish dates. And, and we take people through as a guided cohort and, and we pepper them with expertise and, and um, subject matter expertise and mentoring um, in a very contained environment. And, and that's been my sweet spot for for the last period of time um, so sorry it was a bit wordy but and I went many different directions but that that's kind of what the online space means for me and what education means for me fascinating and because I, I, I looked over all of the, the different offerings and everything that you're involved in can you get dive a little bit deeper into because this is one that obviously I'm, I'm very, still very interested in the idea of upskilling and reskilling and some of the workplace workforce readiness stuff that you're into with Kahoot. Because I'm an online instructor and I'm an um, instructional designer, can you get a little bit more into the connect ed aspect of what you do and how your course offering and, 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 and what you're doing to help to enhance the online learning experience from the higher ed perspective? Yeah, so um, Connected is a is very much a passion project that that is um, gained a lot of ground over the over the last six months or so, and it's all about professional development for those in higher ed um, to encourage learning and and applied outcomes through conversation and discourse. Um, what I'm absolutely um, committed to is is to make sure that we see reform in the sector um, and and I was speaking about that that bypassing of the traditional union and college space um, I'm desperately concerned that that that's a real problem for society um, notwithstanding the wonderful work that's being done by a lot of private providers and and as I said big business coming into the fold to offer a very specialized kind of training in, in verticals I'm I'm really concerned about the the fact that we're not going to see the uh, entirety and, and wholeness of what, what education is meant to represent in the market, or at least in, in my opinion anyway. Um, and so what, what I'm doing with this particular course is to help the conversation in a way that um, educates but also informs um, many of the people that are working in this sector about what's going on and for them to join the conversation. Because as you mentioned earlier, this podcast is one of those vehicles to do that. There's, there's articles that are written inside higher ed and the Chronicle and, and all of these wonderful resources and this wonderful conference or there were wonderful conferences until um, uh, until recently but what was void for me was the ability to apply them uh, in in kind of a, a course setting um, so the we we're currently um, gathering insights from from brilliant minds at the forefront of ideas at, in higher ed and, and wrapping this up to the minute knowledge in, in best in class teaching and learning um, in, in a highly engaging community-led experience. Um, and, and I know that's wordy, but what we're trying to, to do is to make sure that people enter as into this group discussion, they're hearing from experts in the field, they're then going back into the institutions to apply what they're learning, um, and really trying to look under the rocks, as it were, to see what's running underneath, because so often we're, we're not enough in the weeds, we're not having the conversations that we need to have, and, and I'm, I, as I said, I'm desperately concerned what that means for, for higher ed more generally. And with Connected, is it um, the individual takes the course? Because I looked over the website, but is it individuals that are taking a course? Are you approaching a university and saying, here, this is an offering, we really feel like your faculty could um, benefit from that? How exactly does that work if somebody wants to get 
involved with that and, and, and take advantage of the course offering that you have? Yeah, so it's a, a wonderful question. So yes, we are um, very much focused on on faculty and senior leaders within within higher ed, and so um, through our networks, we're we're promoting the course um, a, mm. as a as a wonderful opportunity to immerse yourself into the the challenges in higher ed, but also the opportunities, and and more more specifically, the opportunities of which there are many. Um, you know the the industry 4.0 kind of movement, the the um, massive investment that's happening into into higher ed at the moment. Um, there's incredible people that one can partner with. There's uh, wonderful things that one can test um, that are that are relatively you know inexpensive. And there's there's wonderful new models that that exist. And it's the uh, this course is really to unearth what's happening across the various verticals within higher ed and to upskill those individuals to take advantage of, of the rapid change and, and the opportunities that that presents. So if you're an individual at, at a campus and, and really want to get a better handle on what's happening globally in the sector and to have more conversations like this, uh, the, the, the course is a vehicle to, to be able to do that, um, to meet uh, kind of celebrity status individuals in the sector and to learn from them <laughs> together with them. Like Joe, um, like celebrity status, like Joe, can we meet people absolutely. at his level or, oh, okay. Um, yeah, Joe's, Joe's on the periphery. Um, so, but, but <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, Liz, you're going to get it after this, I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, if I can't be someone at Joe's level, I don't want this course. They have to at least be <laughs> so right, Joe. Right. I'm, well, gonna you know, I'm gonna get his autograph afterwards, Warren. Don't yeah. worry. Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I think what's what what has me most excited about this and uh, in, in what you're doing, Warren, is, is sort of this real time delivery right when mm -hmm. you're crowdsourcing information it's in real time and i think that's one of the area you know curriculum development let know more about this than i do but when you're developing curriculum obviously one of the biggest challenges for higher ed in general is is refurbishing curriculum investing yeah. money into updating okay. curriculum and the amount of yeah. of work that goes into that but when you're crowdsourcing yeah. real-time information there's real-time application point. and i think that's mm -hmm. really interesting about what you're doing and is that is that part of the um, intent uh, of what yes. you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it, you know, w the other problem that I didn't mention in, in regards to this kind of bypassing of the, the traditional union college structure is um, the, the and, and I'm no expert in this space, but the, the kind of regulation um, that persists um, through through various uh, government interventions and um, mm -hmm. you know just that that bureaucracy is has caused us to to slow down immensely um, mm -hmm. you know the, the, many people want to update content um, many people want to create new and exciting programs but but regulation um, sometimes mm -hmm. gets in the way um, and so there's there's part of of that problem um, and then uh, to your point about being up to the minute um, yeah look the the information is changing all the time and and things are being experimented with all the time so the idea for crowdsourcing from a, uh, an array of people was really to to keep um, a finger on the pulse on what's happening and what what's working and and what's not so absolutely to your point yes relevance is is key and and the conversation needs to be happening now and it and it needs to be regularly refreshed
You're listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hey guys, this is Joe, and I just want to remind you to check out our website at www.edupexperience.com. On the website, you're going to find all of our past episodes that we've done with some of the top leaders in higher education today, talking about innovations, ideas, and issues facing our industry today, finding out what may happen in the future, what higher ed needs to look like moving forward. So again, check out www.edupexperience.com. Now, let's get back to the action. Warren, you're, you're getting information. You have the luxury of having information coming in now from a multitude of, of higher ed leaders at all different mm-hmm. levels, at all different mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, areas of oversight, uh, over uh, sometimes a few students and sometimes uh, uh, thousands and thousands of students. You know, uh, so you're really in a unique position to have a little bit of, uh, I don't want to call it inside information, but a, a good handle on, you know, maybe how schools are planning for what the future looks like. And so you mentioned Industry 4.0, and I'd like you to just talk about that a little bit for somebody that may be listening to this going, what the heck is, is Warren talking about? He's from South Africa and he's in Australia, and you've talked about Industry 4.0. <laughs> is, that, is, that a, is that an outside the United States thing? Uh, but, but, you know, I think that's important. I think that's important to define what that is. And, and then there's simultaneous issues happening. There's Industry 4.0 and there's the right now of what the heck is going to happen at the end of this pandemic. And, and I can't lose sight of one or the other. So how am I balancing these things? So uh, it, the question in there is, what is Industry 4.0? Why do I need to care about that right now when my attention may be elsewhere? Yeah, and, um, and and just to uh, pick up a little, little bit um, on your, your point around the ability to uh, get uh, kind of uh, insights from, from a multitude of people, I think you had um, Chip Parsec on recently, and he also mentioned that he's been chatting with, uh, you know, hundreds um, of, of uh, senior leaders within the higher education ecosystem in the US, and, and he's learned a, a whole lot. And and I just, I cannot stress this enough that um, for me, the, the biggest learning, the acceleration of my learning has been by hearing from and, and listening to and having conversations with um, a whole raft of individuals in in the sector to create a more holistic understanding of of what's going on and um, just going back to the course um, this is really the intention behind it it's it's giving those people the opportunity to have the conversations like chip is having with with senior leaders in in higher ed and and to distill that information in such a way that they can make sense of it in in their their own businesses and and in their own institutions so I, I just wanted to double down on on just how important it is to get a myriad of perspectives in in my opinion anyway it certainly helped me as a consultant um you know dealing with with tens to twenties to thirties of, of organizations and and speaking with a myriad of leaders really helped me to to formulate where i wanted to um do great work in in the sector so um yeah just just to harp on that um but as far as industry 4.0 is concerned like um we, we know there's there's an accelerating rate of change we know that there's uh, a, a whole bunch of new technologies that are coming into the market we know about automation um and and we know the fact that people are losing um, jobs um for being replaced by my machines and so on and we know that we need um, um, well, I actually am being very um, 
incorrect in that assumption of saying we know because we really don't. Um, but we have a, a fairly good idea that that human skills and and these kind of modern ways of working um, are, are necessary skills for us to to be able to thrive in in into the future. So the things that we're trying to to in, you know, foster in our students as far as um, the the human skills component of what we teach, it's very much about resilience and adaptive leadership and and about empathy and and all of these things that um, you know we've been speaking about for for eons about how important they are, but yet we haven't had the right incentives in market to to really make people want to you know sign up for these courses and to educate themselves in these areas and and now it's become a criticality. We we have to do it if if we're to to um, take advantage of, of all these technologies and, and the rapid pace of change. And, and we're gonna, uh, as a society, just um, thrive in that environment. Absolutely. Interesting, and, and just one more quick question. And this is something that you and I just very recently had, uh, had a, we'll call it a LinkedIn, LinkedIn exchange, just very briefly. But I, I happened to put a post out about increased competition in higher education. And, and, you know, one of the things that you returned with was, you know, does that mean that, um, does that mean that, that marketing and marketing skill becomes the, the differentiator between institutions because there's going to just be massive overall, you know, competition, particularly when you talk about um, less students maybe learning in different ways, right? It may not be uh, a college degree as we traditionally understand it. It may be upskilling. It may be short program stacking. I mean, there's just going to be a number of ways institutions, uh, and, let's just say consumers, learn. So what, what, what do you think about that? I mean, you know, how, you know, from the information that you're gathering, you know, um, what does the future look like for higher education in terms of, of how we compete because, and that's a word that nobody really likes to recognize, Warren. I mean, when you talk about yeah. competition, institutions go, well, we don't really compete. <laughs> they, they cut me walk in and I'm going, oh man, I got I to gotta scrape and scratch and claw to get people interested uh, because yeah. there just aren't as many anymore. So what does that look mm -hmm. like uh, from a marketing perspective and what does that do to educational quality, if anything? Yeah, so so this is uh, G. You you've opened up a, a can of worms here, and and I haven't got a proper a proper formulated response to this, but but what I do, I I am very very concerned about this. Um, student choice uh, is becoming an incredibly difficult um, activity now, and and as as never before, I think that we're thrown with so much information that many, many people would be suffering some kind of inertia on, on like, what the hell do I do? Um, you know, what am I going to study? What's the right career path for me? Like people tell me about these human skills. I need to now be a, a cybersecurity expert because there's plenty of jobs there, or, you know, I, I need to go and be a data scientist, but then, you know, machine learning is going to suddenly make my job redundant too. And, and I think this is, this is compounding the the problem and and what what we're seeing is those with the biggest budgets at the moment um are, are really um pushing their their courses um and they may not be the best courses so i will never use examples on on your podcast um because 
you know, it would be torn down. But the, the, uh, the issue that we're facing is that many of these institutions are, are not actually offering wonderful product when you, when you scrape under the surface and you look at the student experience of, of some of these institutions that are um, actively promoting courses. And, and I, uh, why I said it's a can of worms you've opened is because I'm not sure that students would have any semblance of understanding of what is good and what isn't, um, because there's just a, 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 fest, like a, a massive pit of, of um, course options for these people to choose. And, and I'm just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to make sense of that, um, Joe, but it seems like at the moment, um, those with, with significant budgets, um, those that are partnering with powerful OPM providers and others are, are definitely getting um, first runs on the board. Yeah, it's definitely a supply and demand issue, right? Going back to simple economics, there's just so much more supply right now and that every institution is, and so many are providing the same levels of programs, similar programs, lots of noise out there. And you think about an average consumer, it's sort of like the retail industry, right? There's just so many ways you can buy. It's hard to pick which one you want to go through. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what comes, what comes through. I always lean back and Liz, I'm going to, this is tr transition to you here. So much is on the faculty-student relationship, and that will always play itself out in the end amongst the providers, uh, Liz, and, and I just believe that to be true, and although there may be a short-term, you know, sprint from some institutions that have big marketing budgets, if they don't provide that quality learning faculty to student, it, it will prove itself out, right? The model always sort of proves yeah. itself out in the end, don't you think? Yeah, well, if, uh, yeah, I know you were looping Liz into that, um, but I'll, I'll give my short response to that. I think um, absolutely, uh, I would like to think that that's definitely the case. Um, you know, education is a unique um, beast in that sense, in that we haven't necessarily seen that um, to date. You know, we've seen the the, the brand mileage of, of the institution and, and the job outcomes being more um, sought after than the learning experience itself. Um, but as you said, as it becomes more commoditized, as it becomes more democratized as well, we will see, um, uh, certainly see students voting with their feet where, they, where they're not getting a, a great experience if the job outcomes and, and the brand prestige of, of where they're at um, is not forthcoming either. So we will see, um, in my opinion, a rebalancing of, of things in favor of the, those that are providing a, a better student experience. But I, I think it's, it's going to be a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Liz? Yeah, and I kind of was jotting down notes as you were speaking, Warren, and I guess to piggyback off of what Joe just mentioned and to circle back around to what you, you just talked about in terms of the brand knowledge. The student experience, I think I come from that perspective just because I'm a faculty member and have been teaching online for just over a decade. and the student experience and the faculty student bond, and I call it a bond because I, I really believe that that's really what ends up happening and it can happen in online learning as well as in the classroom. We know that that's a pivotal um, relationship. We had John Clark on, it's been some months ago, right, Joe? And he talked about Gallup and how they polled students and he wrote an article, he posted it on LinkedIn a few months ago about yes. just how critical that faculty-student relationship can be, not only during your um, 
on undergrad years, for example, as a student, but also following you into the workplace. So I was really blown back by that because I, I had no idea it could even affect you as you become a professional. So I definitely mm -hmm. agree with that. And Joe went to North Central University. Um, we've had uh, Scott, Pulsifer, Scott Pulsifer from Western Governors University on the podcast. We had uh, Dr. Greg Fowler from Southern New Hampshire University. And they've been able to those schools, those big online programs have been able to couple their brand mileage, their marketing dollars and, and punch behind making sure that they really develop that close faculty student relationship, making sure that the courses are really aligned to the student experience. So I guess I'm making that whole long kind of um, soliloquy about the faculty student experience because I'm so passionate about it to ask yeah. you, you know, Joe just talked about, uh, and you guys just kind of mentioned, sometimes students don't really understand. They just see the commercial on TV, or maybe they've seen the uh, the, the social media um, ads or the marketing on the internet. They don't really necessarily understand what's good versus what isn't, and obviously that plays out in the end. When you're de delivering like your higher ed courses and you're, you're collaborating with some of these major institutions on how to deliver a quality product or how to train faculty, to be more responsive to students. What are the main things that you're seeing? Or what do colleges and universities do better? Or what, higher, um, what do faculty need to be aware of in, ten, in terms of making sure that that engagement is as effective and beneficial as it can be to ensure a really quality student experience online? Yeah, so, and I mean, there, there's a lot in what you said, and, and it's, it's wonderfully articulated. And I think you're absolutely right that that relationship is, is absolutely key. Um, I think the, the part that um, I speak to a lot is, is about this co-creation and about this community-led experiences. And, and what I mean by that and, and kind of the philosophy that we have at Kahoot is, is very much is that the student is part of the equation. And I, I too often have, have seen in the, in the past that the, the student is very much um, seen as a, as a product to mold, uh, as opposed to somebody mm. that's coming with a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. and, and just a different perspective on things. And so it's about uh, what we refer to in Kahoot um, is about this community-led experience whereby students coming into our course, and fair enough, these are workforce professionals, so they're slightly um, you know, a more mature audience, but they all come with a myriad of skills and expertise. And, and we want to not only learn from the facilitator, but we want to learn from our peers. And, and it's through that and discourse and conversation um, that we can do very, very well on online um, uh, and, and we're just fortunate that we have a proprietary tool that, that gives us the, the opportunities to, to encourage this kind of collaboration and unique ways of doing that. But for me, I, I, just in answer to your question, as pointed as it can possibly be, I, I think that we're missing a trick with, with treating the student as an individual who, who comes with um, a hell of a lot of baggage. And a lot of that baggage is, is really positive contribution to, to what they, they're learning. And, and it's how we create engagement between the facilitators, but also their peers, um, it, which is a missing piece of, of this learning puzzle. I love that you said that, Warren, because it really speaks to just even we can learn this in K through 12, it, it applies in college, it applies in training, employee training, that if you really engage a student and make the student a partner in learning, 
I think Michael Horowitz might have said it when we had him on the show, or we actually haven't released that show yet, but he talks about the idea of creativity in the classroom and making sure that the student's ability to be a partner in that is um, like a key component of the learning experience. So I'm so glad that you said that because I agree with you. Sometimes it looks as though that stage or the phase, they try to replicate that in the online classroom. I'm, gonna, I'm here to impart knowledge and you sit back and absorb knowledge, and then I will assess you. And that's really not effective. So I'm so glad that you said that mm. because that's like, I think the biggest takeaway. Yeah, no, wonderful. And and yeah, I mean, I, I followed your work uh, closely as well and, and recognizing that you're much more well versed in these in these learning discussions, as it were, but um, I, I'm very much uh, committed to seeing that that the student is is part of that experience and, and not being taught to like you say, so they come with with so much wonderful insights that that we we need to hear from them and they need to co create with others. Well, and guys, this, this, what, what makes this uh, conversation so amazing is that if you listen to what we covered, we covered the for-profit areas of higher ed, the non-profit areas of higher ed, for credit, non-credit. And it's really an interesting conversation because it sort of brings home all, uh, and I, by the way, I say sort of all the time, I'm starting to notice uh, for the record here, we all have our, our quirks. Um, so don't hold that against me, but we're, we're, we're noting, if I cannot say it, that that higher ed is uh, has tentacles if you will and each tentacle um is going off maybe in its own direction and and um uh, you know ultimately it's the consumer who drives and should drive how higher ed is going to respond which makes what you're doing so interesting warren and uh I, on behalf of liz I, I can just tell you that we we have uh, basically honored and excited that you were able to to join us it's been a fun conversation we can go on forever i, I know liz and i when we get in a conversation like this with such an engaging guest we just keep going forever and and we'll it'll be 6 30 p.m in australia by the time we're done. <laughs> So make it pull an all-nighter. Just talk to us for like 14 hours. You, you, you we, better we get can, a cup of coffee, my friend. Yeah. yeah, we can pick up a conversation anytime. It, it's been absolutely <laughs> a pleasure to chat with you. Well, listen, we got two final questions for you. Let's call it one, one question and, and one plug. We want you to plug what you're working on. You know, is there anything else about Kahoot or anything else about ConnectEd that you'd like to leave our audience with or anything you want them to check out? Um, and, and after that, um, you know, what do you believe, this is the sort of the, the, the doozy question, see, I said sort of again, but what, uh, what do you think the future of higher education is going to look like? Mm, so, I mean, I, I think about this question a hell of a lot. Um, and I, I think we all do to some extent, but, um, I guess the, it'll really be up to individual interpretation, whether whether we think this sentiment is is kind of utopian or dystopian, but I, I tend to favor the utopian view is that uh, we we seeing a significant acceleration in in uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and and virtual reality and the like and and um, you know the the advent of this uh, brain machine interfaces uh, like Neuralink and others and and genetic engineering and if you look at biomimicry and all of these wonderful uh, things that are happening around us, I I really see the the traditional education system being turned on its head, um, and and I think that we need to start becoming deeply concerned with with the study of of human ethics and and universal morality and and other kind of 
uh, and other thought-provoking topics like that, um, because I, I firmly believe that our current predicament will be of little consequence in, in the next 50 years. Um, so I know it's a bit of an outlandish statement, um, but, but this is kind of the, the future that I see. And then anything else about Kahoot or ConnectEd that you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, look, I mean, it's, it's been a wonderful opportunity to share a little bit about the course. Um, you know, our course kicks off in, in September and um, we, we're very excited about our inaugural cohort and we've got a lot of interest thus far. So if you, you want to find out more about that course, we'd be delighted to have those conversations as well. And, um, you know, I'm sure the, the website we will, we will reference and, um, you know, as far as, as Kahoot Learning is concerned, we're, we're doing some really wonderful things in the world. And I, and I think that I, I'm truly confident that we've got an at-scale solution that is really going to make a, a big difference to, to communities at large and, and to individuals and organizations that wouldn't have the luxury of, of, of studying at, at very expensive colleges and the like, but, but really in a short form getting some really, really qualitative capability upliftment. Well, and I've had uh, I, I've had a, I don't want to say look under the hood, but a, a, maybe a little bit of a higher understanding of what you're working on at ConnectEd with your EdTech and Strategy course for higher education. And what I can say to the audience is, since we have primarily a higher education audience, is I don't think there is a, a better time or more important time to invest in expanding your knowledge in ed tech and strategy for higher education. This is uh, going to be an amazing course uh, Warren and team are putting together. So I'd encourage everybody to, to check it out. You can connect with Warren on LinkedIn and uh, learn more about it. So uh, with that, Liz, thank you again uh, for thank an amazing you. episode. And Warren, um, stay safe out there. And uh, thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Anna, thank you, Joe. There you have it, everybody. Warren Kennard, founder of ConnectEd and managing director of Kahoot Academy. Liz, another amazing episode. What did you think about Warren and what he brought to the table? He was amazing. I love the fact that he's so passionate about online learning. And I think that element, the, 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 the faculty training aspect of it, making sure that um, those that are in those spaces, whether it's faculty or leadership, online um, understand just how important it is to be well-versed in all aspects of online learning. I think because we rapidly moved to online in the spring, some of that, the training aspects of it, just understanding what the difference is between delivering a class face-to-face -face versus a quality online class and engagement and accessibility, those are all the little pieces of the puzzle that have to be just a little disgruntled because obviously if someone's been teaching face-to-face, -face, they're not going to be well-versed in those areas. So he was able to identify that and he's passionate about making sure that campuses now that they are going to be for the foreseeable future delivering online learning understand how to do that effectively and i thought that was a great takeaway that he's really committed to that and he's going to be joining that dialogue so that we can all get quality products quality online learning for our students and that's what it's all about that's right and it's great to have him on with the, the South African and then Australian perspectives. He's in two other major countries with major uh, successful universities having the same challenges that U.S. universities are having, which is the dichotomy between degree and, and, and you know, we'll call it a diploma or certificate training for upskilling. Um, you know, how do you get the skills fast? You know, and, and 
think anything is mutually exclusive. I think people are going to see that they can get some short-term learning opportunities to get a job, and then hopefully the employer or, or they invest in themselves long-term to get a degree. And I, it's just going to be different pathways to achieve the same goal. Uh, still, I maintain, and I know you do uh, too, Liz, that, that getting educated formally is still a goal ticket uh, in our day and age, and it's important to, to invest in yourself at any level. Um, lifelong learning is so important, and, and, and Warren's working on a lot of projects where you can upskill quickly. Um, and we have a massive uh, um, workforce uh, issue now in the United States due to COVID-19 with people that need to get back to work, and, and they can check out Kahoot Learning for, for quick upskilling opportunities uh, and invest in yourself for the future. So um, what, a, what a pleasure it was to have him on, and he's an engaging speaker. Don't you think, Liz? I mean, we could have gone on forever. Absolutely. I was like, oh, an hour already? That was like too quick. So I definitely hope we can have him on again in the future. And for any of our listeners here, you know who the true celebrity is. It's Elizabeth Leiba, who if you follow either of us or we communicate on LinkedIn, I'll think I do a good job with the post to get 20 people to comment. And then Liz gets 360 people to comment. That is not true. it's, uh, It's true. And uh, you, you can follow Liz on all her social media channels, and oh including TikTok, gosh, where she funny. has been known to bust a move every now and then. Yeah, I have to do another rap video on TikTok. That's my next project for this week. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, we, we uh, thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there. And until next time. Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit edupexperience.com. And if you want to be in on the live recordings, please sign up for our email list. Go to edupexperience.com and sign up to be a subscriber. We'll let you know how you can listen in live and get the scoop before anyone else does. So, Please, as always, feel free to share this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. We would really, really appreciate that. You've been listening to The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business with your hosts, Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liva, and Elvin Freitas.